Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring. We are now in a post-Charlottesville era. Charlottesville was kind of an eye-opener for many of us, and uh, I've invited my good friend Greg Hamilton, president of the Northwest Religious Liberty Association, to talk about the pendulum swing and where are we going? What is there a broader significance to what happened in Charlottesville? Welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Yeah, thanks, Alan. Just got back from vacation. Um, it was hard to come back home, but I'm here. Um, yeah, I, I see some real problems uh, taking place in, in our country, and it's alarming. It almost makes me want to leave the country, but I, I don't dare do that. I need to stand up for what is right here and to fight for freedom and civil rights. But I clearly, I mean, when when a president claims that both sides um, were at fault or, or represented good things, I, I just I, I say to myself, wow, I know this is old news for some, but you know what? We need to really look at the seriousness of this, along with uh, pardoning uh, Sheriff Arapaio. I, I really think that we have to look at this in terms of how can anyone condone white supremacy and say that that side is good when clearly there were pastors, peace protesters that were there? Oh, sure, some of the other side may have had some clubs in a defensive role. Uh, clearly, the antagonizers were the white supremacists from the night before, shouting blood and soil. I mean, is anybody kidding themselves when you see people who are literally anti-Jew, hating Jews, not only Jews, but if you think of the Ku Klux Klan, who have they traditionally hated? They have traditionally hated Jews, Catholics, okay, Hispanics, anybody that's not white, and women's rights. Um, you know, so all of those issues... In addition to hating blacks. <laughs> yes, right. In addition to hating blacks. Yeah, forgive me. Right, of course. Yeah, exactly. So, and now you have Judge Arapaio being pardoned, Sheriff. who clearly violated people's Fourth Amendment rights, and and yet, you know, I mean, we're just, you know, this is not a law and order president. This is a president who uh, is completely out of control, and I don't blame it on naivety anymore. I blame it on um, the president himself, who knows exactly what he wants to do, and he knows exactly where he wants to take this country, and it's a bad place. Well, I'm not going to let this conversation focus on the president himself, because I think there's a much broader problem, which is that this whole episode is revealing a very dark side of American, uh, what used to be private life and is now becoming more public. And I, for one, have seen it on my Facebook page. Um, I have seen within my own church a degree of racism and anti-Semitism that I never would have imagined. Oh, oh, absolutely. I'm sure it's just not restricted to my own denomination. Yep. Um, but that's what scares me. You know, I know, look, Greg, we're on Christian radio. A lot of our listeners are very supportive of President Trump. I get that. And, you know, I'm not doing this radio show to, um, you know, to argue with them 
about broader public policies. Our focus is on religious freedom, you know, and civil rights is certainly a very closely related religious freedom as part of civil rights. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly share your abhorrence, not only at what happened in Charlottesville and, and how it was handled, but, you know, the pardoning of a sheriff who two federal judges found to be in violation of federal civil rights laws and in violation of a court order requiring that, that he uphold those laws. Um, and I'm, I'm appalled that people will just write off these judges as though, oh, well, they're liberal appointees, they're liberal hacks. Well, guess what? They're Bush appointees. What drives this thinking in the American people? I was just um, listening to the radios. I was coming into work today and uh, listening to Rush Limbaugh. Uh, of all people, and uh, was listening to him go on and on uh, about how the Harvey disaster, the Harvey floods, and 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 the hurricane there, um, and the aftermath, how white people are helping uh, poor black people, and and how this is proof that there is no such thing as systemic uh, racism or systemic injustice. And, and just whitewashing it as if there, there's no such thing in America that doesn't exist in America. I mean, I, I, I say to myself, wow, really? Um, it, it's this mindset that just makes me cringe uh, over the direction our country is going. I, I realize that our country has always had this problem, mind you, but and, and this attitude uh, is to say that there has been no racism, there is no racism, uh, that it's all about states' rights. It's never The Civil War was about states' rights. It wasn't about slavery, on and on and on. And it's just... It's unconscionable what we're seeing now, and um, I'm afraid, Alan, I'm afraid we're heading down the road as a country more and more. We're heading towards some sort of revolution or civil war. I don't know which. I have no idea, and I'm not here to be a prophet or a predictor because, you know, that's not a wise thing to do, but um, I just stated it. I, I really think we're heading towards some really dark times in this country. You know, we had a religious liberty rally at one of our churches this past Sabbath, and we had, you know, it was a multi-ethnic group in the afternoon. And when we opened it up for discussion and took questions instead of written ones, uh, gave people the microphone an opportunity to speak, what came out was consistent. The people who spoke up were consistently anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim, you know, anti-somebody, anti-Catholic. It was uh, bigotry through and through. Yeah. And the different panelists, the speakers, you know, kept trying to get across the idea that, look, America is a place where we all live together with our differences, with our beliefs, and we respect people's rights to be different. I told the story of how the, the concept of human rights is being taught to the Yazidis in Iraq, that the Yazidi children were told to go to, the, they were brought to a garden and they were told they could pick any flower they wanted, any color, but they had to leave the yellow ones. Mm -hmm. You know, Iraq is a country where the different ethnic and religious groups have torn each other apart trying to gain the dominance. Mm -hmm. And they're asking the questions, how can we live together in peace? Mm -hmm. So the kids come back with these beautiful bouquets of flowers and only the yellow ones are left. And the teacher asks them to look back at the garden. The garden is decimated. Yeah. It's in shambles. 
you know, and they see and the lesson, of course, is, well, if there's only one type of person, the flowers are a metaphor for people. If there's only one color, then it's not as beautiful as if we have all of the colors, all of the flowers together. I think this is a lesson that the United States needs to relearn over and over again. You know, I see this bigotry in our churches, and it's demoralizing. Well, there's this big fear, and I've, I've heard it time and time again, that, you know, and it's also anti-Catholicism coming through, and I hear it all the time. It's this idea that, in fact, Steve Bannon uh, enunciated it uh, very well the other day, which uh, really, you know, just sent chills up and down my spine. I, I can't stand what I heard, but... And, and I've heard it for years. I, I grew up in Bakersfield, California, and I grew up in a, in a large Irish Catholic community, and next to us were the Hispanic folks, and large Hispanic community in Bakersfield, and, you know, really, really fine people. And I just, you know, the, the comment was often heard that, oh, well, you know, all this illegal immigrants coming across the border and Mexicans coming across the border— it's the Catholic Church's attempt to swell the churches and, and uh, uh, swell the districts, voting districts, and to take over the country. You know, that's the papacy's plan to take over the country. Well, regardless of whether it is or not, in terms of a conspiracy theory, my point is that there seems to be this ratcheted up fear about these things. And so that's the white man who is very concerned that now that they're a minority officially, which was last week, the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life put out a survey. They said that white uh, people are now officially a minority in this country. I thought that was interesting. And they sought to clarify that and saying that there's no one other minority that's dominant over them. But nevertheless, when you take all the ethnic minorities combined together as a whole, the white male and white female, they are now a minority in this country. And I thought that was interesting because the threats that they feel, I guess, towards other ethnic people, they feel that they're losing their country. And yet, in fact, this country was found on both economic, racial, and religious pluralism. And to reject that, you know, to reject any one of those is really a sign that threatens religious freedom and religious pluralism down the road. It really does. And it's a rejection of American values, too. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, I think we need to tackle this very core subject of fear. I don't think that Americans understand how we are being manipulated. Fear is just as powerful a political tool as sex is to marketing. You know, we see all of the companies uh, selling their products by use of, you know, sex, basically. It's a very powerful tool. You know, you'll be sexy if you use our product. Right. But, um, you know, fear is the most potent propaganda tool in the politician's arsenal. And, you know, Jesus tells us, do not fear. The Bible is full of commands. Don't be afraid. I am with you. And yet, you know, white American Christians have succumbed to this all manner of fears of others, irrational fears of blacks, of Jews, of Muslims, of immigrants. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just appalling. We have to get over this fear mongering. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the monuments issue has come up many times with people. And somebody confronted me in, in Victoria. They were from Georgia. And they said that, you know, the monuments should stay. You know, Robert E. Lee and others and Jefferson Davis, et cetera, and all the generals. I said, you realize that most of those monuments were put up by soldiers' wives way after the Civil War in the late 1800s and then really took another spike up to put up right during the Civil Rights Movement to make a statement? Basically, to say that South shall rise again, and we need to these uh, Southern Confederate heroes and their thinking. And I thought, wow. I mean, I mean, I can understand how they feel, but at the same time, I say to myself, you know, I mean, Robert E. Lee himself said that those monuments should not go up. He said this is wrong. Um, well, I think that we wrong. what we need to do is then we need to start putting monuments to Benedict Arnold all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because if you know if you want to put up a monument, yeah. then yeah, put Robert E. Lee right next to Ben. I mean, he tore this country apart. You know, he was responsible. That's a great example. Because Arnold was a treasonous. He, right, he was a treason. A traitor, you know, yeah. I mean, yep. what do you call people who basically rebel and start a civil war? It's the more American blood was shed in that war than any other war, possibly all the other wars put together. Right. So the people they're making monuments to, they were traitors to our country. Right. Exactly. Well, they can be put in museums. You can study about history in museums. Why not? I mean, there, there's no sense. I mean, to me, when you put up a monument, you're making a statement that you're proud of the South in terms of their values and what they stood for, which if you say it's for states' rights, guess what? You cannot disconnect or separate states' rights from, from the issue of slavery. Right. They were one and the same. That's true. Well, yep. Greg, this has been a, a great discussion as always. Our guest, Greg Hamilton, president of the Northwest Religious Liberty Association. Uh, we're out of time. Thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Thank you. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk the talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at www.churchstate.org. That's churchstate, all one word, churchstate.org. And Freedom's Ring is available on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring. Freedom's Ring.